you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome to NFL Total Access, the locker room. I'm Michael Robinson alongside Mike Garofolo. Jeezy, what's going down, big dog? What's going down is whoever was lined up across from Anthony Munoz. He was putting them <laughs> on their back, pancaking them. Um, and this is a guy, look, growing up, you know, we didn't have, we're going to get into this with him. We didn't have the analytics and all this stuff. And I, I don't know that we really knew uh, specifically who was playing really well at offensive line, but you knew Anthony Munoz was one of the all-time greats and was a great that you were watching week in and week out playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, and, you, and you, we just talked about it um, once we wrapped the interview with him offline. You could just sense this guy. You know he's a great just by his presence here. And you're going you're gonna to hear that in the interview. I don't even have to tease anything specific because the entire interview, you get that from him. Yeah, he's on from the time we introduced him. His locker room story was off the chain. I mean, this guy literally defined the the, the tackle position for the modern game. You guys don't want to miss it. Check it out. Jeezy, we got a good one today, man. Uh, you know, when I first saw him, when he came up on the, you know, on the video chat, I called him the man, the myth, the legend. One of the, <laughs> one of the guys that should be on the Mount Rushmore um, of the National Football League. Anthony Munoz, welcome to the podcast, big dog. Gentlemen, thank you. It's great being with you. Yeah, I appreciate those kind words. Thank you. Oh, man, they're more than kind words. It's the truth, Anthony. So, look, now the price of admission to the Total uh, Access, the Locker Room Podcast is a locker room story. So we start off every right. single podcast okay. with a locker room story. And, again, I, I would also encourage you, leave it all out there, man. Don't worry. Nobody listens. Okay. Just yeah. go ahead and say well, everything you want. Yeah, this, you know, this happened my rookie year. So my rookie year, Cincinnati drafts me. They'd hired a head coach, Forrest Gregg, who played for Vince Lombardi. Anyone knows anything about Vince Lombardi, man? The guy was tough. Forrest Gregg, disciplinarian, 6'5", 250 when he was coaching, had that southern draw, southern twitch. Yeah. And, I mean, he gained the respect right away. He came to a football team that had been 4-12 and two years in a row. So, you know, I'm pretty focused when I'm playing, and I'm intense, but I like to keep things loose. I mean, I like to keep my teammates loose. But and that allows me to play with great intensity. So my rookie year is a preseason game. 
I said, okay, these guys are a little too uptight. You know, this NFL thing, they're taking it too serious. So I found, you know, remember the big hip pads? Yeah. You know, that yeah. they used to wear? So I yeah. grabbed one of those. I'm not a very good artist, but I drew a face on the hip pad. So I said, it's all about timing. We went out to warm up. We came back in. I'd always sit at the first locker by the door. When we'd get up, go out preseason game, I looked around. I said, man, okay, timing. So nobody's looking. I put that hip pad in my between my helmet and face mask, you know? Uh -huh. So yeah. there, was, there was a <laughs> face in there. So I said, okay. So they called everybody up. And I said, okay, it's time. I put the helmet on. And I couldn't see anything because that face was there. I started yelling, okay, guys, put your game face on. Nobody laughed. Said, this is pretty funny. I said, come on, put your game face on. We got to get out there and play this. And I'm sitting on the on the, the seat. And I'm thinking, wait, something's got to be wrong. Well, I could see the floor below me. And I saw a size 15 shoe. So I pulled my helmet off. And I go from that 15 shoe up. So about six four six five, it was Forrest Gregg standing right in front of me. That's why nobody was laughing. And my offensive line coach, who was about five nine, is standing right behind him, kind of shaking his head. I kind of, I thought to myself, I said, "Okay, I better go out there and have a great game." I said, "Yeah, I guess this NFL stuff, you can't loosen the guys up that well, man. Come on, man, you got to loosen up." So that was my introduction to the NFL, and I felt, "Okay, well." I'm going to let the guys motivate themselves, do what they need to do, and I'm going to do what I need to do. Whoa, Anthony, hold up, man. <laughs> so you are a rookie in a preseason game. You hadn't even been in the locker room for a matter of months yet. Not even you, a month. And you were cool enough in your own skin to go out there and uh -huh. do a joke like that before a preseason game? Oh, you know my what? goodness. I, guys were just – we had a couple guys that would throw up, and I'm thinking, what is the deal? You know, coming from USC, every game was big, but you just went out there – and you tried to physically dominate, but you had to be loose. So, yeah, I was like, okay, I'm a number one pick. I got to check this out. Maybe, you know, I can lead these guys to loosen up, play a lot better that way. Yeah. So I was a rookie, not a, no more than two, three weeks with the team. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you got the big 6'5", 250, Vince Lombardi protégés sitting in front of you, not many guys are going to laugh. So I learned quickly. It's just like, okay, let's go out and just play the game, I guess. Oh, oh man, that's a great that's a great early lesson. But you know what? I, I love the fact you, you talked about the guys throwing up. Who do we just have? Oh, Morton Anderson was on the podcast. Huh. Uh, Mike Rob yeah. talked about that they had a player that would throw up every single game, and if he didn't throw up, they got nervous because they had that was part wow. of their routine to hear him yeah. throw up. Did you? So were you that way throughout your career, just kind of loose and cool, and hey, we're going out to play a game and let's see what happens? You know. I was when I was on the field warming up, man. I was lasered in, focused. I'd come in. You just had I had to relax. I had to get loose. And then once I hit the field, it was like, you know, don't have me, you know, don't extend your hand to me to help you get off the field because I'm not going to do that. <laughs> there you go. Don't bump in as a teammate. Don't bump into me in the huddle because I don't like that. So it was just, but I mean, I was just like, but yeah, I was a guy that once I was on the sideline, I had to take a knee and watch the defense play. And just get my mind going for the next series. I I didn't like sitting in the bench. You know, a lot of guys sit on the bench between series and just look at pictures. I said, I have my adjustment. I know what they're doing. The coach has gone through it. Now let's just go out and play. But yeah, I've always been that way. The looser I am, the more intense I could be. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because Anthony, I, I I don't think I learned that principle until I was almost out of the National Football League. I probably <laughs> yeah. should have learned that a little bit earlier in my career, but. Um, 
You were a two-sport player out of USC. Um, I got to get your thoughts on Lincoln Riley. Like, what are your oh thoughts goodness. on him yeah. coming to that school? What's your thoughts, big dog? Well, you know, it, it's pretty exciting. I was, I'm, I've been up in Canton, like I told you. I was up here Sunday. So Sunday night, we had like a watch party at the hall. Franco Harrison and I were watching the Steelers-Bengals game. Had a great time. I get to the hotel, and all of a sudden, social media is going crazy. I'm hearing that we're, we've hired Lincoln Kennedy or uh, Lincoln, Riley. Lincoln Riley. So my phone rings, and it's Marcus Allen. And I said, <laughs> man, what's going on? You would have thought Marcus was eight years old. It was Christmas morning. <laughs> he just starts talking about this guy's accomplishments. Do you understand what we just got? Do you know what's going to – and, you know, so he got me more excited than I already was. And, you know, never saw that coming. You know, uh, I think they mentioned it in the press conference. There was probably about 45 of us that the search form talked to. I spent like 45 minutes on the phone just k- giving my feedback. And, uh, you know, when the guy asked me, well, what in your mind, what coaches would you come – and his name, Lincoln Riley, never even crossed my mind. But the fact that what he's done, his age, um, I am so excited. I mean, I tell you what, they talk about the biggest hire since Howard Jones back in the, you know, I wasn't playing for Howard Jones. That's right before <laughs> I was there. But, um, you know, the exciting thing is, you know, when I was there in Pete we get we used to lock down California. And yeah. the fact that as soon as he became the head coach, you had the number one quarterback in California decommitting to Oklahoma. You had two stud running backs decommitting. I'm just thinking, how many more kids is he going to have decommit and all of a sudden join the Trojan family? So to me, not only a great coach, but a great recruiter. So you can imagine how excited I am. You know, I've been out of there forever and ever, long time, but I still bleed cardinal and gold. I still watch a lot of the games. I used to get back to one or two a year. So uh, I'm pretty excited about the hire. You know, look, I, when I think about college football, I, I love when storied programs are are good. I mean, when they're not good, it feels kind of weird. I mean, I'm old enough yeah. to remember when Alabama wasn't yeah. good. I mean, it was between right. two eras when they were, but yeah. all of a sudden the program comes back and you say, yeah, this is right. This is how it should be. So hopefully uh, for all of college football's sake, but certainly for the USC alums <laughs> like yourself, Lincoln Riley leads USC back to the promised land. I agree. Uh, that, I agree. Does tra- that does transition into – uh, what I want to ask you about, which is Southern California kid all your life, third overall pick of the Bengals in 1980, and then you land in the Midwest. Had you been there before? Was that was that culture shock for you to end up there? Let's see. My freshman year, no, sophomore year, we played in Purdue, West Lafayette. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, that's it. <laughs> so no, I, I never, I never been in the Midwest. I'd never, been, but you know, being baseball, being my first love as a kid. Saturday morning baseball, the big red machine. Since I kind of felt like I knew where it was because the stadium was on the river. Uh, but, no, I'd never been there. And it was uh, it was somewhat of a shock when I first got here. Uh, you know, growing up in Southern California, going to USC, 21 years. All of a sudden, I'm 21 in Cincinnati, Ohio, looking around thinking, you know, not bad, but where's my Mexican food, man? My yeah, mom yep. made tortillas, no <laughs> salsa. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? It's going to be expensive getting that sent out every week. But um, they embraced my wife and I quickly. We started a family and just fell in love with it. Uh, you know, people are like, how do you handle the winter? I'm saying, I don't man- mind the winter. I mean, I'm not crazy about it, but I don't mind it. It's that summer humidity that they keep saying, you're going to get used to it. You're going to get, and I'm thinking, 40 years, I'm not used to it. But no, it's, um, we fell in love with it. It's home. And it's still nice to visit uh, back west, but uh, this is home now. 
So it didn't take long for us to adapt and to really fall in love with Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Well, to follow up on that one, uh, the Freezer Bowl had to be shocking oh. for you. I mean, <laughs> 1981, AFC Championship game, Chargers versus Bengals. It was nine below zero. I don't think I've ever encountered <laughs> that weather before in my life. Okay. Take us through that experience, man, because oh, I know goodness. it had to be something you'll never forget. Well, I'm Rob, first you say nine below. Let's add the windshield. The official was 59 below. Now think about that. What? Two years out of USC. The only game I played my senior year was the Rose Bowl, January 1st, and it was 82 degrees. Now you're talking two years later, 59 below, and I'm thinking, people are saying, well, you guys in Cincinnati used to. I'm saying, yeah, I didn't grow up in no. a freezer. Or, you know, it's like, <laughs> but man, it was the crazy thing about it is we woke up, opened the curtains. Blue skies, the sun's out, and I'm thinking, what a great day for football. And all of a sudden, my car sat in the parking lot of the hotel for like two, three days. It wouldn't turn over. Thank God they had the, the van, the hotel van running, and we jumped in the hotel van, and I'm thinking, I have never, ever felt anything this cold. And to be asked to go out and play a football game, the only reason I said, okay, I can do this, the winner goes to the Super Bowl. But, man, yep. I tell you, it was painfully cold painfully cold and you know the cartoons where they're it's cold and they hit each other and then all of a sudden from head to toe they start cracking that's how i felt the first play that i hit that charger defensive end but it was like don't take your helmet off because your pads are going to get rock hard put tape on your ear holes you don't want that wind and my mustache was white from not from my age like now but it was (laughs) white from frost my in the inner part of the face mask had frost in it it was just crazy cold. Did, it, did anybody yeah. get any frostbite or any frozen toes type stories? Because I've been in um, locker rooms where that stuff has happened. I think our defensive end had a, an ear that got frozen. Other than that, I think the, the, the Chargers played like they all had frostbite, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we had a couple well, guys that, that still feel the, you know, we talked to them now as old guys. And I, said, I think that still feel that little effect of the, you know, a little frostbite during that game. Oh. But man. I'm thankful uh-huh. that not more guys uh, – you know, the, the sad thing about it is, you know, fans, they, they start tipping a few and they think, you know, they, we, ha- we lost a couple fans to exposure because they drink – you know, they were drinking so much, they pulled their tops off and guys are – and they, yeah, they, uh, they died of hypothermia wow. exposure. Yeah, but it was yeah. uh, nothing like – but like I said, blue sky, sunny outside, and then all of a sudden you walk outside and you're like – Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah, and you guys went sleeveless. The offensive line went sleeveless that game, if I'm not mistaken. You know what, guys? You're crazy enough to play in that weather? Go sleeveless. You know, it's funny because we get get the question all the time. Hey, now, you guys did that to have a psychological edge, right? I'm thinking, come on now. You're talking to, you know, Anthony Munoz here. But then when it's all said and done, we didn't do it for a psychological edge. We did it because with sleeves, the defensive linemen, right, have more to grab. So we yeah. said sleeveless. The funny thing is the five starters, we decided to do it. The three backups say, well, we're not playing, so we don't have to go <laughs> sleeveless. We went, no, nah, no, nah, you're part of the group. We all go sleeveless. But, uh, oh, yeah, man. so we did that. It was great T-shirt. We don't have that fancy Under Armour or Nike. Yeah. It was a great it's T-shirt, a t-shirt. shoulder pads, and your jersey. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I remember covering the, uh, the, the NFC Championship game in Lambeau. Uh, in 2000, January 2008, 
uh, Michael Strahan leading up to that. Because everybody all week, we're not going to wear sleeves. We're not going to wear sleeves. We're going to be tougher than them. And Strahan said, I'm going to have sleeves. I'm going to have gloves. I'm going to have – I'm going to be the warmest guy out there. You guys can do whatever you want to do for your psychological edge. But my yeah. muscles are going to be the yeah. warmest on the field. I thought, you know what? I kind of like that philosophy. And stuff is skin tight these days that they can't grab it anyway. So I guess maybe that's the difference now. I, but I, listen. One, one last thing about that game. Yeah. The pre-game warm-up, which was very short, we noticed – Two San Diego Chargers that were sleeveless. So oh, we went in the locker room, two, during pregame warm-up. We went back in the locker room. We remembered their numbers. We said, when we come out for the game, let's find them and see how many layers they have on. So we came out. We looked. There they are. They were bundled up. They were layered up. <laughs> they had the Michael, Michael Strahan philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> I love, it, I love it. Well, listen, I just got back from Washington, uh, the Seahawks, Washington. I was low 40s, right? And I'm standing on the sideline. Granted, I'm not moving. I get that. But I'm thinking to myself, the last thing I want to do right now, because I'm cold at 40 degree wet, is run into another grown human being. But those guys out there, they were flying around, and you get those cold games now. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you get the question, are the players today softer than the players back at I, I don't think so, but you tell me. I mean, you compare the eras. Could guys today play the way that you guys did back then? Well, I don't, you know, I'm asked that question a lot. They say, can you have played now? Can they have played then? Uh, you know, I think the guys are great athletes now, so I believe they can adapt. The one thing, I always turn it around when they ask me, do you think you could play now? I said, do you think the guys now could play when we were no. playing with no. our rules? With no, our rules. I, right, right, right. I mean, <laughs> I think about, okay, so UCLA recruited me as a nose tackle. Everybody else is, a, I said, I don't think I want to be a defensive lineman because I know what we can do to defensive yeah. linemen. <laughs> so that's my question. With the rules, I mean, you can't blindside a guy. You can't hit him too hard if he's not looking. I tell you what, those are blocks you look for because you wanted those guys on the sideline saying, who hit me? Yep. Was was it a truck or was it a, a running back? You see, so that I think that makes for great fodder. I think it's a great question. I think guys, here's a question or a, a, a thought. I've gotten to know Dick Butkus, um, Doug Atkins, who passed away, University mm-hmm. six seven, but they're only like two fifty, two sixty. Take those guys, put them into these days, and give them the supplements. They could play and the weight training. So Dick Butkus, I was talking to Dick Butkus, 51, middle linebacker, and he started lifting only his last two years. And he goes, Anthony, he goes, I fell in love with lifting. He said, I honestly believe, this is Dick, I honestly believe if I would have lifted my entire career, I might have killed somebody. (laughs) (laughs) And he probably believes that for real. I tell you what. But it's, you know, because they're so big structured and big hands, now you put all that, you know, bulk from the weight training and supplements. So, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's no question. Guys today in most positions are bigger, stronger, faster. But, uh, you know, a lot of times, in, in my humble opinion, they might be bigger, stronger, faster. But you take a guy that's more technically sound. Yep. Uh, I think the technical, this is my humble opinion, sometimes the technique is not as good as it should be. Because I think the coaches see these guys that they're so athletic. And let them go. Just let them play instead of, I mean, great line from a great uh, tag from uh, Frank Pollock, who's the line coach today for the Bengals. And this was basically the way we thought it. He says, you have to master the mundane. 
And it's all about technique, man. I'll take a guy that's so technically sound, knows leverage, knows where to go every play, has it up here, knows the scheme, compared to a guy that's just crazy athletic, but he's not that disciplined at, uh, with his technique and not real sure at times where he's going. Uh, I'll take the guy that's fundamentally sound and he's strategically sound. Uh, so it's, it, it makes for a good question. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Anthony, I, I, I agree with you. I would take the same fundamentally sound player over a genetically dominant guy, you yeah. know, any day. And at the end of the day, what's happening is coaching is is not coaching these guys because what's happening is coaches especially on the younger levels high school and you know some of the younger college uh groups they just want the genetically dominant guys to make themselves look good so they don't have to coach right but going back to something we talked about before we went live on the on the podcast you said you were in canton you talked about you were up there coaching could you just kind of get into that and tell everybody what you're doing in canton and the relationship that you have with the nfl alumni yeah, long story bearable. It started because so many guys were getting put on injury reserve in the NFL last year, I think, or a year before last, over 500 yeah. guys. So the NFL here, the, I'm not the NFL, but NFL alumni in the Hall of Fame brokered a deal last year and said, why don't we start an academy? Let's start with three positions, O-line, D-line, running backs. We'll bring in former NFL coaches, 
strength and conditioning coaches, nutritionists, and we'll have them live up here and we'll train them five days a week. So let's say somebody gets hurt with the Seahawks or the Bengals. Yeah. We have a running back that's ready to go or a lineman that's ready to go. So these guys are up here cut in the last cut, maybe with the team or two, and they got cut rehabbing an injury. So we have like Mike Tice, coach mm-hmm. O-line head coach in the NFL. We have, uh, you know, Chuck Smith, who played in the NFL, comes and helps out. We have Mo Williams, a running back that played in the NFL. Jay Hayes, D-line coach, coach at the Bengals, coach at the Buccaneers. These guys are up here in the classroom going through strategy, going through blocking schemes, putting the guys on the board, making them diagram like we had to do in camp. And then you take them out in the field for an hour, hour and a half. You just work all technique, man. Technique, technique, technique. And then they have a little lunch. Then the rest of the afternoon is strength and conditioning, stretching. So these guys are, are in shape and they're learning everything they need to. So my son, who now works at the Hall of Fame Village, brokered the deal, helped broker the deal with the NFL alumni. So he told me about it when it was first starting last year. And he said, would you, Dad, would you be interested in coming up and coaching? And I love coaching. Never got into it full time, but I've coached high school for three years. I've been to six, seven professional camps. I coach. So I said, I'd love to. So this is my second year coming up. And just working with these guys, you can imagine, these guys are basically auditioning, trying to yeah. get ready for a job. So everything you're teaching them, man, they're like sponges. They're working their tails off. And uh, it's fun to see the the progress with some of these guys as you've been with them two, three, four weeks. And so that's what we're doing up here in Canton. It ends at the end of this month. And, you know, what better place than where football started to hopefully have these guys start their NFL career by getting signed with an NFL team. That's so dope. Now, that, now do the agents yeah. pay for it? Is it something that the NFL just does for yeah. them? How, do, how How is it paid for? That's a great question. So the team here, the coaches, who the people that are running – have great connections. The, the guy, Dean Dalton, he spent a lot of years with the Vikings. So recommendations from agents and from teams, what happens, they take care of it at the back end. These guys come up here and they're just worried about working out, getting ready with, and the staff here wants these guys to sign, sign a contract. Then the players, the agents will take care of it on the backside. So hopefully a week, a month, they sign, they get on a roster, they get paid, and then they take care of it. That's pretty cool, man. Love that. Um, yeah. Anthony, uh, Walter Payton, Man of the Year not, uh, finalist, will be announced next Tuesday. That yeah. is an honor you received back in 1991. Uh, tell us what that award meant to you. Uh, you had plenty of on-field accolades, but yeah. that is a uh, very distinguished honor that uh, is bestowed on only a few NFL players over the course of their career. So tell us about uh, winning that back in '91. No, that, that's great. The Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year is phenomenal. First of all, you look at the guy that the name, I mean, the name on the yeah. trophy, Walter Payton, Hall of Fame football player, but what he did in the community. And that's the key. Sure, who you are as a football player has something to do with it, but more so what you mean in the community, what you've done with your family. And those are the things that I share with young men and women, man, when I'm talking to them. It's, you know, you can be the, the best running back, you can be the best DB, mm-hmm. the best offensive lineman, hopefully, but it's what you do off the field, who you take care of, and you know who you are as a person of character. Because, uh, again, we talked about the, the fundamentally sound. I'll take a guy that is amazingly a character guy because he's going to have work ethic, he's going to be loyal, he's going to be trustworthy, and he's going to know what responsibility is all about. So to be a former recipient of the uh, Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year, is it, it's an honor. It's very humbling because it talks about who you are more than just a football player. 
And that's one of the things that I love doing with young people and especially my foundation is really attacking the whole person, not just who you are as an athlete, but who you are socially, academically, you know, in the whole work. So that means a lot. And, uh, you know, was it three, four years ago, we had a chance. They brought a bunch of the winners back to the Super Bowl. We had a chance to just hang out. And, uh, you know, guys that played before me, guys that I played with, and even guys that played after me. So it was a great connection of the uh, a lot of the former winners. Yeah. And, um, Jeezy, like, this isn't just something he did in 1991 back in the day, right? He's still yeah. giving back to the community. Anthony, tell us about the Anthony Munoz Foundation. Yeah. Heard you had a shoe giving, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. thing last year. Just talk about what you're doing in the community yeah. right now. Yeah, it's uh, in fact, this is the 20th anniversary, our 20th anniversary for the Anthony Munoz Foundation. And to you know, my mission statement to engage the tri state area to impact kids mentally, physically, and spiritually. We have seven programs. The shoe giving thing is just kind of an offshoot of our programs, like all those kids are part of our mentoring program. So we have a, a, a elementary mentoring program we have that goes K through five, they age out in fifth grade, so then we continue in junior high. We have overnight character camps where we do in the spring and the fall. And we teach them a little football. We got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but most of it is character, team building, and just, you know, really bringing kids of different colors, different social economic backgrounds, and teaching them we need to work together. One of the things that we learn through football, man, doesn't matter what you look like, where you're from, you got to work together. And that's what we need. And we've been doing that. We have two types of scholarships. We have 18, uh, one time, two to $5,000. Then we have our big scholarship fund where we give a $20,000 scholarship. Wow. For our 20th anniversary this year, we gave the 18, wow. two to five. Then we gave out 19, $20,000 scholarships. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we have our youth leadership, youth leadership seminar. We bring in, usually it's 85 to 90 high schools. Coming out of COVID, we had 45, about 700 students. We bring them together. We have motivational leadership speakers. We have breakout sessions, so we bring in moderators to lead those breakout sessions, topics that high school kids usually don't talk about. So we, mm-hmm. we have that. And then at the end of the day, we send them out. We challenge them. We have our community service challenge. They put together community service projects. We mm-hmm. track them and uh, give them some money. to. And uh, some of the programs that these young men and women come up with, man, they initiate them. Their moderator helps them with it. Uh, and, you know, so that's what we do. And like I said, this is our 20th anniversary Usually anywhere from twenty-five to 3,000 students that we work with a year. Uh, and I'm thankful because COVID last year, coming out of it, this is probably one of our best years in the last half dozen years. So for an old guy that, uh, you know, played a long time ago, it still motivates me, still, you know, incentive to, to you know, because I'm there full time. I don't take a penny. Uh, they call me the senior intern, which I'm fine there with. You go. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, so I'm the development guy, knocking on doors and uh, and raising money, which you know because I share the story and it's a passion of mine. Uh, so that's our foundation. Like I said, this is our 20th anniversary. We've raised probably close to 20 million dollars, and oh, uh, you know one of the first things corporations always ask, so what's your what's your percentage? You know, because they want to know how much you give. And I'm pretty sure there's a watchdog nationally that says if you give 60 cents. To the dollar, that's pretty good. I said, nah, if I blocked the guy six out of ten times, I wasn't going to last very long. I said, nope. I want it to be nine or over. I want a 90%. So we've averaged through our audits anywhere from 89 to 92 cents a dollar going to the kids. So, uh, you know, it's something that we time. love doing. I have a great board, three full-time staff, which I know I ask a lot of them, but we have four to eight uh, local college students that intern with us. So they're getting a chance to learn, to work. Uh, so it's, uh, it's something that's, uh, you know, my wife and I spend a lot of time and, you know, so it's a great community. We've, uh, 
it's been, you know, I tell people at one time, 13 years, I was on a smaller team. Now I'm on a real big team and that's this that's whole so area. You know? That's so dope. Uh, it, it's great that you, t- uh, you I, I, we got to get your thoughts on the Bengals, but before we do yeah. that, you, you, you hit on something I wanted to ask you about because that sounded like the analytics of your, 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 your foundation there, the, yeah. the nine out of 10 times, right. As far as the blocking <laughs> on the field and getting the dollar. <laughs> You, you didn't have, and you had grades. Your, your guy, your your coaches would grade you back. Oh, but you never had the week. analytics. Every week, yeah. But so that was your form of analytics. Do you look at today and say, "Boy, I'd love to be able to see what my pro football focus grade would have been"? Or all the, I mean, what, what are <laughs> no, your thoughts no, on the new because, age style? No, because my line coach Jim McNally, they should hire Jim McNally now because <laughs> our walls in our meeting room had as many analytics as you wanted. I mean, he had. Onside, backside, you see, and it wasn't just a grade for blocking or not blocking your guy. We had grades for, did you do the technique correctly? How good Mm. was it? So, yeah, I mean, if we didn't have Jim McNally, I would say maybe my buddy Chris Collinsworth, his company, Football Focus, (laughs) I might have needed that. But, no, we had Jim McNally who – and you had to look at it every single meeting. So, if you had a bad game, you'd go, I don't want to see those grades, you know. So, that was the incentive. That was the incentive of playing well every week is that you had to look at those grades and your, your line mates. But, uh, you know, I think that's still pretty cool to know that. But, uh, yeah, for me personally, I'd say uh, Jim McNally is as good as it gets. Hey, Jeezy, uh, did, did you see him light up? Did you see him light up talking <laughs> oh, about yeah. his coach? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's what a coach had an impact on this man when oh, he was man. playing. That's oh. what I'm talking about, man. That's what it's well, all guys, about. Hey, and, I, and I look at this. Four years at SC. Now, and Rob, okay, you're going to – Four years at SC, 13 with the Bengals, two line coaches. Two? Two. Your whole – and your whole college and pro career. Hudson Houck in college, who eventually went to the NFL for over 30 years, one of the best. Mm -hmm. Jim McNally, all 13 with the Bengals, one of the best to ever do it. Two. Oh, man. Dude. That's why I talk about To have that type of consistency like that, you don't get that in the National Football League. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's why I knew you – you're oh like, whoa, goodness. yeah. Yeah, you gave me chills, man. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. dope. Hey, talking about your Bengals days, mentioning Chris Collinsworth, let's let's now flip <laughs> it to the 2021 Bengals. Yeah. It's a really interesting team to me. Um, started out hot, hit a bit of a, a, a lull, then came back and thumped the Steelers, thumped yeah. the, the, the Ravens about a month or a month and a half ago, yeah. whatever it was. So not just winning games in the division, winning them big. Yeah. Your thoughts on this 21 Bengals team and what they could do down the stretch here? So the one word that I – right away when I think it's consistency. If they can be, stay healthy and be consistent, you know, people say same old Bengals. I say no. Three years ago when Zach Taylor came into now, I think they have less than 10% of the players he had when he got the team. Wow. This is a hmm. whole new team. What they've done in the offseason, D-line, linebackers, secondary, through the draft, they're changing the culture. Last year, seven, six of the seven draft picks, captains, three of them two-time captains. One of them, T. Higgins, he goes back for a senior year. He's the captain. You know, they, they bring Mike Hilton in, veteran from the Steelers. They bring guys that have been to the playoffs. They bring in, you know, Re, uh, Riley Reef, 10-year guy from the Vikings. So they've made up. So the main thing is consistency, a big question mark, and it continue to be, and they're playing much better as the offensive line. Skill guys, I mean, Jamar Chase, you know, Higgins, Boyd. You got some good tight ends, C.J. Uzama, Joe Mixon. But then on the oh, D line, you got Hendrickson, great offseason pickup, Sam Hubbard. Then you got Logan Smith. I mean, and, and Jermaine, Jermaine Pratt. Those guys can run as linebackers. But then you got some secondary people they brought in. So consistency is the one word. 
I think, and, and we know this last month, that's what it's all about. It's not how yeah. you start. It's not the law, but it's how you keep your foot on the pedal and you finish strong. And I think they have the pieces to do that. But, uh, you know, young guys here and there, they can't read and believe what they read. They're going to have to go out and step it up because this division, man, it doesn't matter what Pittsburgh's done or what they're doing. You know, they're yeah. going to be tough in December. The Ravens and then the Browns, they're the same way, up and down. But they're a very talented football team. So um, I think they put the pieces in, in place. Uh, they brought back a couple coaches that excited me. I mentioned one earlier. Frank Pollock was here three years ago. Joe Mixon had his best year rushing the football. Yeah. He left. Zach brought in another guy. They realized, nah. So they brought <laughs> Frank back in. Look what they're doing at the running game. And he's a technic- he, he excites me because he's technically sound. But he's not afraid to get in your face. And I think even nowadays, you need a coach that's going to get in your face. Absolutely, man. And what I love about the Cincinnati Bengals is they have a physical nature about them now that I didn't see in the previous years. But, uh, Anthony, I I can't thank you enough for stopping by today, man. This was awesome. You got to come back. Okay. You got to come back. You got to figure out. Don't hesitate. Get a hold of me and I'll do it. You know where to get a hold of me now. This has been a blast. Uh, as you can tell, I'm pretty excited when I talk football and the foundation. And uh, so, yeah, I, anytime, like I said, don't hesitate. Love to be back with you guys. You guys do a great job. Thank you so much, Anthony. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Total Access, The Locker Room. For more insight with The Locker Room point of view, check out the latest episodes every Wednesday and Friday on Apple and Spotify. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.